Hi, I'm Reverend Carol Saunders, host of The Spiritual Forum. I'm here with a lot of interesting people who are consciously walking the spiritual path, experiencing and expressing the divine in unique ways and through unique lenses. Everyone here has wisdom to share and an interesting story to tell, all to inspire you on your spiritual path. Welcome to The Forum. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Spiritual Forum. I'm so glad you're here. I mean, I really am when I say that. <laughs> I'm I'm doing a monocast today, and I'm going to see how this works. The last episode was my time with Amy Robeson when she did an Akashic Records reading for me. And um, I invite you to go back and listen to that. Um, she asked me to do some, or I should say that the guides asked me to do a day of reflection after a quote, sabbatical. This sabbatical was really a trip with my daughter and son-in-law and my husband. And we went to one of our favorite places on the planet, uh, Paris, and we were there to really kind of show and have this experience with our middle daughter and son-in-law. And the focal point of this trip was to take a side trip to Normandy, which is the place of uh, a, a key place of World War II when the Allied forces came onto the beaches, and that was the beginning of freeing France and defeating the Nazi regime back in World War II. Normandy is a very, very sacred place. It's it's kind of a spiritual experience, and it's a place where my husband and I visited seven years ago, and we have this desire to expose our adult children to the space of Normandy. And actually, I think every baby boomer and every millennial would benefit greatly if you ever have the opportunity to go to France to visit that part of the country. Um, it's not the traditional tourist place, I guess, but there's just a lot there. And I'm going to get to that in a minute. One of the things that the guides told me to do through Amy is to call this vacation a sabbatical, to not work, to soul search, to give myself permission to just be with myself and notice what feels good to me and what doesn't, and be openly honest with myself, and that that should open the door to opportunities. Because the question that I asked was basically along the lines of, whether this podcast was the right direction for me, whether this is what were the best place for me to be during this massive awakening that's going on in the world, and how to amplify my voice. And gosh, I was really hoping for something really specific, <laughs> really specific. But it seems when I do these Akashic Records readings, they're, they're not vague, but they're very symbolic, you know. Uh, and and so I, I wasn't sure about this time away being the time where I would be able to reflect because I know that I have this pattern, and this is one of the patterns that I was able to observe, of being very busy and filling my time and just really being into the experience and this experience and that experience and and to not really sit and be quiet with myself. So that's certainly one thing that I I, 
I notice when, especially with when I'm with family and when I'm in kind of a quote vacation space, because you know, you're there for a short period of time and you're in a special place and there's a lot that you want to experience. So that kind of happens to me. So I had a little bit of concern about whether or not something would arise for me, uh, but I decided to go into it anyway, just allowing the circumstances to happen and to be an observation of myself. And, and that's what I did. I did a little bit of work because I had to get a newsletter out. And even that's something to notice. I had to get a newsletter out. Did I have to get a newsletter out? Why did I have to get a newsletter out? I had to get a newsletter out because my role as podcaster puts a newsletter out every Tuesday. And I've really got to look at that. I've got to give myself permission to let some of these things just go if it interferes with my own ability to just be. So hmm, I've already made a couple observations that I hadn't made yet uh, during my reflection. So anyway, she said that there would be spaces in these days to look at how I'm reacting and to have learning, that I can have learning opportunities even when I'm with people. So it's okay that I was with family, just see the opportunity to see how I showed up. So, um, so that's, that's kind of how I went into this trip, which was 10 days. And um, I thought, you know, for the first couple of days, I thought, well, you know, nothing's happening, nothing's happening. <laughs> oh, my mind is so funny. Uh, and then I had this really, really, really interesting experience. And there's, a, there's actually a few themes that I'm just going to share with you about what happened on this, you know, quote, sabbatical. And I'm doing this because not so much that it's about me, but I'm thinking that perhaps I can show how I experienced things that arose and how I reflected on it and how I looked at the symbols and what I'm going to do with it. And I'm thinking that if I do this, that it might help you all when you're in your life to do the same thing. And I have to say, when you are outside of your normal mode of living, you know, your normal everyday routine, it is a really good opportunity to see how things show up that you wouldn't normally notice so much in your normal day-to-day -day routine. Now, I don't live, I, I don't work in a job where I have coworkers that are irritating to me that are constantly bugging me or anything like that, where I can see those kinds of patterns. I've I've put myself in a situation where I, I work fairly much in the solitary mode and and so I, I don't have those opportunities day to day. I, I'm not somebody who yells at traffic. I'm, I'm not somebody who has lots of volatile interactions with anybody that I have to work through. I'm not doing church anymore where I was constantly in, um, what is the word? It's, it's not really hitting up against, but it, it constantly being in the space of other people and their wants, needs, and desires and my own wants, needs, and desires, you know, when I was doing church, that came up a lot. So that's not really present in my life, but it, it, it did come up several times in this situation. So I'm, I'm reflecting on this, thinking that perhaps it will be an example of how you might be able to reflect on your own life. So let me tell you just a little story about what happened to us on, I think, our third night there. So the first day or two is kind of getting over jet lag and kind of experiencing everything. You know, where are you and what all the things are around you and uh, where to eat and all those kinds of things. And uh, on the third night, 
uh, my daughter and son-in-law had joined us by then, and my daughter and I had tickets to a tour of the Opera Garnier, where the Phantom of the Opera story took place. It was absolutely stunningly beautiful and a fabulous. I mean, it was just so interesting. It was, it was equal to or beyond what Versailles is. Anyway, it was it was a very good evening experience. And then we met our our husbands for dinner, and it was kind of a late night and wonderful day, perfect day. And then, and then we took the subway back to our apartment. And it's so interesting. My husband and I had been riding the subway all day long. And as you put your little ticket in before you get into the area where you can go to your train, it, the little ticket pops out and you pick it up. And then, you know, you take your train to the destination you're supposed to go to. And that's it. And so all day long, we never really needed that ticket after we were on the train. So this last train of the night, I decided to throw away all these tickets because I had all these used tickets and I couldn't tell the difference between them and the unused tickets. And so I threw all the used tickets after we had gone through the turnstile and gotten on our train. So then when we got off our train and we were going to exit the subway station, there were these three, <laughs> three people who were in uniform and they were kind of like, you know, in... Monty Python's Holy Grail. They were like, none shall pass. You shall not pass us. They were, they were people of authority, and they even showed their badge, and they looked like police officers, and they were demanding that we show our tickets from the train. And we're like, we don't have our tickets from the train. And where are they? You know, well, and also there's a language barrier. Well, you know, we threw them away. Now, my, my daughter had hers, so she was able to show hers. And they were asking people to scan their tickets. And if you didn't have a ticket, you were kind of in trouble. So, all right, all right. So um, then it's <laughs> so then so then then they were kind of getting a little belligerent about it, like you know you need your tickets and we will find you and you're going to go to jail and things like that. It was definitely a bullying kind of extortion moment, and I reacted to it. <laughs> I reacted to it. I and and to be honest with you, I liked my reaction. It was interesting to watch the four of us and how we all reacted. My daughter, who's an attorney, was trying to kind of like comply with the law and show here's the tickets that I have and all that. And my son-in-law is pretty much a go with the flow kind of guy, and I decided to kind of get in this guy's face a little bit. It was just not okay that he was doing this. And so I I got angry and I <laughs> I called him a rule follower. And I was like, you know, rule followers is what's allowing fascist states to creep up everywhere. It's it's people who are willing to to be to go up against regular citizens. And so I I stated what was true for me and um then my husband jumps in 
And he's trying to like, okay, how can we kind of uh, get this situation under control? What, what can we do? What do you need to allow us to pass? Because I asked them, you know, there's nowhere does it say I need to have a ticket anywhere in the train. They don't say it on the train. They don't have it, any, have it stated anywhere in the train stations. No other train station requires you to show your tickets on the way out that this really isn't an, an equitable thing for him to be asking us to. And if, if need be, I'll go back to the frickin' trash can where I threw my ticket away. And he would not allow us to do that. So he was kind of playing bully. And I was kind of calling him out on the bullshit. And I had to say, I'm kind of proud about that. Now, I think at the time, I was probably embarrassing my daughter, possibly my son-in-law. <laughs> my husband's just trying to, what, what money? He knew it was going to get down to money. What money do you need? <laughs> so, so he's willing to pay them off. And, and that is actually what we ended up doing. And I was angry. And what's so interesting is it did feel good to me. And I had to look at this like... I, I I know I've been angry before, and it's an ego thing. Like my ego feels really good. I told them what you know. I told them off. That wasn't what was going on here. I I I really felt good about what arose in me because I was speaking out against. I was speaking out against what they were doing to us, which was a blatant extortion. And I know myself enough to know that had I not spoken out that I would have felt bad the next morning, that I just stayed quiet, tr just tried to make peace, and just tried to do the right thing that a minister would do. And that's really interesting to look at because these roles, you know, what would a spiritually advanced person do? What would a minister do? You know, what would a mother do? And I think that these roles sometimes can be really restricting. You know, like you're wrong if you actually have a feeling arise and you act on it. And I just don't think that's true anymore. There might have been a time where I did feel that way and that I would have gone, oh my gosh, I should have just been all zen about that. But what was really happening here is these guys were bullies. They were extorting money, targeting tourists who couldn't defend themselves, and they were agents of the state. So they're in collaboration with the government. And I'm seeing this happen a lot. I saw this happen a lot during the past few years where um, entities in collaboration with the government, normally the police, you know, are really violating the rights of people. And I think we've seen this going on for years and years and years. And, and it's one of the reasons why, actually it is the reason why, that um, these systems, these dominating systems, are able to take control of the lives of us, and so you know, I, 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 I they're the reasons why totalitarian states arise. A totalitarian leader, or the totalitarian bully himself, needs people who follow these rules and are eager to enforce the rules in order to really uh, insulate him or her from the masses. And I, I know that this has been going on for eons. I mean, as long as humans have been on this planet. And there's a great awakening happening now, saying, you know, for those of us who are kind of awakening, saying, no, we're not going to stand for that anymore. So um, this, this feeling of extortion is an interesting one. And I, I have to say, I'm not sure it's ever happened to me before. 
And it is one of those violations of natural law, which is the natural law is a do no harm. And we learned that a couple podcasts ago um, with Paul and, and Lauren. And um, it's, it's theft by way of extortion. And it's a very vulnerable space to be in because you're being forced to give money away in order to just have freedom of movement or freedom of speech or freedom of whatever. So it is a it is another person forcing you. It's like they've got a gun to your head because if we hadn't done it, they said they'd call the police, we would go to jail, with that would be a gun to our head. And it's a very vulnerable space because you're forced to remit your money and your money represents energy and it's against your will, all right? So if you've never experienced extortion, it's a very vulnerable situation to be in. All I was able to do in this situation is to tell these people, who probably couldn't understand me anyway because I speak English and they speak French, that they were agents of extortion, that they were following the rules of the government entity that was extorting people, that was bullying people. And it was because of them that these totalitarian states are able to rise. And that's what I expressed. I was very proud of myself. I felt good about it. Now, the, what I see in this is that I felt good because I was able to speak what my experience was, what truth was, whether people around me felt uncomfortable or not. And they did feel uncomfortable. And I was able to speak with passion that stirred within me. So I don't always have to be the reasonable one. I don't always have to follow my role. And I really took that as a good thing. What was so interesting, <laughs> so we left the subway station having, having to pay 35 euros a person. I was really mad. We were all really mad because our beautiful night was kind of messed up by these, these agents of the state. And so we were all kind of pissy about it and talking about it. But by the, by the morning, you know, I'm up in the middle of the night reflecting on it. By the morning, we're all laughing because it was hysterical, actually. <laughs> My, my my having to speak out you know so passionately it was kind of like a french revolutionist was was kind of funny and my daughter's kind of need to be the you know to try to do the right thing was interesting and my husband having to come in and kind of placate it it was interesting to watch all of the different roles and we laughed hysterically about the whole situation the rest of the trip so, and that also brings me to one of my other reflections, and that is, and that is just, there's so much joy in laughter. And, and you hear me, you, you know, when I listen back to the podcast, I hear myself laugh a lot, and sometimes I go, why am I laughing? But there's just, it, there's just joy in laughter. And if we can find ways to laugh about the crazy things that happen, and it really creates memories, it really solidifies in your mind that moment, that time that we all laugh so hard. And so that was kind of another, you know, sidebar reflection from the strip. So that was kind of the first thing that happened that that kind of caused me to look back and assess and you know what what made me feel good or what what didn't make me feel good. What is life showing me? You know, what is life showing me and how can I be honest with myself and yeah, notice what feels good to me and what doesn't. It felt good to me. 
And I also had to really look at, you know, is this my ego just trying to be right? And I've looked really deep at that. I don't think so. I think this had more to do with passionate expression and a validation to use my voice, regardless of what people think around me. And to, when I have passion, to let it arise. It was a validation for me. That's how I saw it. Uh, okay, so the next thing that happened was the, the two mornings later. So I started by talking about Normandy and that this was kind of the focal point of this trip. And so we had a 610 train to go from Paris to Normandy. Okay, so we got up at like 4.30 to kind of get ready you know, for that. We ended up leaving at five something in the morning to, to catch a train to try to catch, excuse me, to try to catch a subway to a, that, our 610 train. And um, so the first thing that happened, the first thing that happened is before we left, I just checked my email. And this tour, I said it probably a year ago. I mean, I had a tour guide that I'd experienced, my husband and I had experienced once before. Phenomenal tour guide. This guy is a great storyteller. And when he guides you in these different places of Normandy, you feel like you are there. He tells personal stories that are so interesting. His name is Dale Booth. And, um, and, and so we weren't able to get him directly, but we did book his wife and we were going to have like a downloadable audio tour of Dale. Well, I get a, an a email early in the morning. I think it came at four in the morning and it said, you know, I'm so sorry to disappoint you, but I'm sick and uh, we can't do the tour today. <laughs> it's like, okay, you know, this is not the most important thing we did, but this is the reason that we really wanted to to the thing that we really were most interested in exposing our daughter and son-in-law to and boom taken <laughs> so you know what was really cool about that is we rallied pretty quickly because you know it was pretty obvious we had non-refundable train tickets to to normandy it was a i guess an hour and a half train ride so we're like well okay it's a disappointment big disappointment, but we're going anyway, and, and we're going to make a day of this, and we're going to figure it out on our own. So I was really kind of proud of that because it was really about just kind of going with the flow and allowing a major disturbance to come up and not spending hardly any moments and being, you know, angry or pissy about that, you know, just saying, we're, we're going to forge forward. We're going to create this ourselves. So I, I saw that, I see that as a, a, a message to me to keep that spirit of going forward no matter what obstacles come up, no matter how plans don't work out, just keep going because it's going to work out. And it did work out. So we're on this train and I'm figuring out how to rent a car and see if there's any alternate tours we can get. And also trying to remember from the tour my husband took seven years before, you know, what were the locations that we went to? And I was Googling this and Googling that. And I kind of came up with a, a general plan and we, 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 we rented a car and gosh, there's a whole nother story about renting a car that was really hilarious, but I'm not going to go into that for the sake of time. But what, what, what happened is we, we, we got our car and I, I came up with, you know, like three or four de destinations to go to. Uh, we missed, I think, one thing. We missed Utah Beach, but we went to the other ones in our car. And I was trying to email back to our tour guide saying, well, can, can we get the downloadable version of the tour? Can we get the downloadable version of the tour that could help us? And I never heard back. So I'm like, okay, dang, we're really going to have to figure this out on our own. So when we get to our first location, I find myself, my inner manager, just in overdrive. 
All right, that's a great observation. My inner manager's in overdrive, trying to create the perfect experience for everybody, looking online for YouTube videos so that we can find something close to what Dale Booth might have said. And, you know, here we are at this church, and and I can say what I remember is significant about it, but it's nothing like what Dale Booth would said, and maybe I can find somebody else who can help us. So I was really in, in major management mode, and my husband was very kind and soft and gentle in his approach to me, showing me that, you know, you're really not present. You're trying to create this experience for everyone and all of your energy is doing that. I think some people out there might identify with that's maybe how you go on vacation with family, that you feel kind of responsible for everyone's experience. And so you're trying to plan it all out. That's kind of a, a pattern that I have. And my husband pointed out to me that I'm missing, I'm missing the day, you know? And he was right. I, I was being this manager of everyone's experience versus, versus allowing the beauty of where we were to arise and allowing other ways that everybody else can kind of figure out what was going on. So I really had to look at that. I, I, I or when I came back, that was part of my day of reflection. I, I had to look at how I feel responsible for other people's experience. And, and I think I mentioned in Dr. Weil's podcast that, you know, I, I too am, and uh, what did he call himself? A control uh, enthusiast, a control enthusiast. Like I'm not trying to control people's behavior. I'm trying to control their experience because I feel responsible for their experience. I plan this. I feel responsible for their experience. And in my reflection, and also in that day, I really had to step back and go, you know, I'm not responsible for their experience. They're responsible for their experience. I've created this space and to just allow their experience to unfold. Now, as it turned out, about our third destination on our attempt to uh, recreate this tour, we, we did get the tour download from Dale Booth. And so we were able to do the rest of the tour with uh, with his his uh, recording, and it was really, really great. And we also were able to go back and listen to what we missed. But what I got out of this is this, I can't control the experience of others. As it relates to this podcast, okay, because my question about to the guides was about this podcast. So to me, the first thing I, the first story I relate to you shows me to speak my passion, whether people around me are happy with it or not. And this showed me to that I can't really control the experience of others. So I can't control your experience, podcast listeners. I, I can't do that. I have to just release that and allow what I say, what guests I have on, what themes are presented to touch your hearts or not touch your hearts and just kind of let it go. And that... That's kind of how I want to. That's kind of how I want to go forward. I, I, I'm really allowing spirit to guide me. And you know, you may not like what I say or who I bring on. And if that's the case, you know, you'll you may stop listening. And I trust, I trust the universe that the right and perfect people will come because I, I do think we're building something here as part of this awakening. I, I do think we're building something here. And I don't know what it is. And just like all the steps I took with the church and then going to a podcast ministry and going to the podcast, 
I was just following the steps that Spirit was guiding me on, never knowing where I'm going, and I don't know where I'm going now. So like, follow me. I don't know where I'm going. I know that sounds funny, but, but Spirit knows where we're going. And perhaps I'm in a wilderness experience, uh, experience now, not knowing what the next step is exactly, but I, I do trust that if I am allow myself to speak my voice passionately and to not have a need to control the experience of everybody around me, that I'm on you know a really good path. I guess the last theme, well, a couple, I, there were a couple more themes, but the, the last important theme was for me on this trip that showed up for me that I had to reflect upon was... Again, it had to do with my inner manager and also my role as mother, because you know I'm an adult. I have adult daughters, and it is an interesting transition to move into your children as adults. And um, it, you know, I didn't think it would be, it shouldn't be, but it is. <laughs> it is. And so again, I kind of planned this trip, so. I felt responsible a little bit in how to get places, but I, I really realized that my daughter's much better at this than I, and it was so nice to just let her take over the logistics part. Oh my gosh, it was so nice to just let her, you know, she's better at it. And and I I just really relaxed into letting her do the work of getting us from place to place. And it was interesting kind of switching roles because as a mother of young children, that was my half my life, half my role was getting getting everybody from place to place and figuring out what, what where we're going next and what the right thing is next and all the logistics and all of the plans. And so the role kind of reversed that I was just allowed, it just kind of went into, okay, you can be the mom now. <laughs> I'm just going to enjoy letting you do it. That was a big awakening for me. It was a really great experience. and. In terms of how it relates to my question to the guides about my podcast with the Akashic Records, I think that's just showing me to just let others step in to do the work that they're capable of doing. So I'm taking this as a call out to the universe. Right now, this is a one woman job putting this podcast together and and, and I do do all of it. I, I really don't need to do all of it. I do need help. And Amy pointed that out to me. And so I'm calling out to the universe, you know, whoever's out there who wants to help get this message out there, I'm willing to let others do the work. The other thing that came up for me on this sabbatical was um, just to be aware of the small moments. You know, there are times where you're just kind of sitting and having lunch and the flowers and the ducks that are in the background kind of become such a beautiful dance. And it's, it's a moment that just arises in the moment, and then it's gone. And there were many moments like that, that I notice. And I, I think that it's harder to notice these moments when you're in your everyday life. But when you are away in another setting, that you take it, I don't want to say you take the time, because that's not, there, there isn't time in these moments. These moments is, are, are eternal eternal life, everlasting moments. There's no beginning or end when you are absolutely 100% present. And there are so many, every moment is that actually. And when you're outside of your normal life, it's easier to see this, these moments. 
And as an example, <laughs> when we were going to the train really early in the morning, five in the morning to catch that 10, 610 train to Normandy, the city, the, the city streets were completely empty of people and it was quiet, so unusual for the busy you know, Paris streets where we, where we were staying. But you know who was out? The rats. There were rats that were just kind of like scampering in the streets and going under little, I don't know, where little crevices and whatnot. And I know that would freak a lot of people out, you know, because there's this story that we have about rats. But I just thought it was wonderful. It's like, oh my gosh, I saw Paris alive at night in a completely different way because the animals also have to live. And here I am, very bearing witness to the life of this these vibrant rats who by the way are extremely intelligent animals and and I just really took great pleasure in seeing seeing them scampering around and trying to find food for their loved ones and and going back to their homes um, because they have just as much right as us to live in this world and it was just a moment to just really relish, you know. So there are many moments like that. That's that's one I just wanted to mention. And so I guess for me, um, regarding the podcast, maybe that's telling me to not look at the long term and the plan so much and, and and feel the work of it, but just to kind of relish the moments that come up. If it excites me, go in that direction. Uh, the, then the last thing I just want to mention the book that I chose to read while I was on this trip was Gods of the Bible by Mauro Biglino. Um, he's an Italian author, and uh, English is not his first language. What a crazy book to, to take along on a trip, because this was such a mind-bending book. It's, it's bending my mind as much as learning about Annika Lucas's child sex slavery experience that really awakened me to a reality that I didn't know exist. This is bending my mind in dramatic theological ways. I mean, so much so that I'm questioning the basis of 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 the theological framework that that much all of the world is pretty much engaged in or or believes. And and I'm hoping to get him on my podcast. But the reason I'm mentioning this is because this book was so mind-bending that it caused me to realize that I'm in this major transition mode, transformation mode, and have been for a few years. The COVID years just really woke me up out of, um, out of kind of a, a slumber. And because I've been in this major transformation, I, and I mentioned in, in, the, in my podcast with Dr. Weil, I think it was Dr. Weil, that in many ways, I have asked God to show me what I don't yet know, and I keep being shown what I don't yet know, and I keep seeing new versions of reality that cause me to really have a, um, yeah, it's like a, like having an earthquake, you know, a psycho-spiritual earthquake. And so because of this, it feels like the cards of, of my life are up in the air, and they haven't really come down and formed a new structure. And I also, it reminds me of when I was talking to Yael Green about how we, we seek structure before we can really look at possibilities. And so that's kind of where I am in life, seeking, seeking my next level of structure before I can really look at possibilities. But I'm mentioning this because 
I, I think that this restructuring that's going on in my own psycho-spiritual life does cause me sometimes to, it, to, to not write, to not create, to not um, always know exactly what to say. I, I don't really know what direction this podcast is going to go in next. I don't, my ministry, I shouldn't say the podcast, I'm pretty clear on the podcast, but the ministry. So in the past couple of years, I haven't really been creating anything new, and it's been kind of bugging me, but I think I've come to realize that I'm not in that mode right now. I'm doing the podcast and expressing and experiencing and continually assimilating new ideas, and it's all of this is leading towards a new level of consciousness for me. And so I need to give myself permission to not be in action creating programs or creating classes or all of the things that I used to do because I'm in and I'm in kind of a squishy place. And reading this book, you know, put me in another squishy place, a bigger squishy place where I'm really having to question a lot of theological fundamentals. And um, just to give you an idea about this book is uh, the author actually will show everybody that God is not in the Old Testament. <laughs> and once you, once you start seeing that God, the God that we think God is, is not really in the Old Testament, but when you look close at the translation, there's something else there other than God. So that's pretty, pretty mind-bending. Talk about that at a later point. But I'm giving myself permission, I guess, for being this in, in this in-between state and not being in the creative writing and teaching mode that I had been in the past. Amy told me that the guide said that a big chapter is next for me, and I do believe that's true. But I'm not there yet. I am in this space in between where I'm assimilating more and more levels of reality that, that Spirit is showing me. And I think that's the last thing that I want to say about my reflections on this sabbatical, because that also kind of allows me to, to relax and to just be okay with where I am. So that's it, folks. I, I just wanted to let you know where what I did with that Akashic Records reading. Um, just to summarize, I'm feeling good about expressing myself when I have passion and not worrying about what other people have to say about it or what their judgments are. I, I, I feel good about calling out bullshit when I, when I see it and to stand up for what is right and what is true and for my own freedom and the freedom of other people. I'm going to focus on going with the flow and when obstacles come to just let them go and proceed without knowing what, how I'm going to put it together, but God's going to help me out. I am going to be mindful of my inner manager that has to manage everything so that I can be more present and let others do the work. I'm going to continue being joyful in laughter and finding those moments and those memories. Because I think if you think about the memories of your life, laughing hard with people always shows up as those poignant memories that you remember. I'm going to be aware of the small moments, and I'm going to give myself permission to not be in the creating new things mode while my 
own reality is being restructured. So that's that's what I wanted to just share. Those are the reflections that I had from my sabbatical. I have no idea if I did it right or not. <laughs> I have no idea if that's what the guides were after. Um, but I'm taking this as as um, you know messages for myself as I go forward this podcast. And, and I'm hoping that you're able to see in the way that I'm reflecting how you all can reflect on your own patterns and habits and the things that happen. Just pause and look at them and question and dig deep and go, you know, what does that mean for me? Thanks for listening. I hope this is helpful to you in some way. I, I know for you that you are a divine being and that what we are facing right now is awakening to our true divinity and an awakening to the importance of our sovereignty so that we can really truly create the world that uh, us as divine beings were meant to live in. More on that later. That's going to be themes of, of more coming podcasts. I love you guys. Appreciate you. Namaste. And I close the spiritual forum now. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, you can let me know by leaving a positive rating and review on your favorite podcast app or make a tax-deductible donation at thespiritualforum.org. The Spiritual Forum is a podcast, prayer, and retreat ministry affiliated with Unity Worldwide Ministries. Thank you again for being a part of the Spiritual Forum community. And remember, you are an amazing, divine, and powerful being.